Go to Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. Notice what the Apostle Paul says here. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding are being enlightened or flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope or the expectation of his calling and invitation. And what are the riches of the glory or the abundance of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Notice, where is the abundance of the glory? It's in you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to who? To you. Who what? Believe. According to the working of the mighty power which you wrought in Christ when. Now, when Paul's here for a moment, there's a feast of one prayer, something I can encourage you to pray for yourself for your family, for your church family, every single day. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me say pray that Ephesians 1 prayer, the Ephesians 3 prayer, the Philippians 1 prayer, and the Colossians 1 prayer over yourselves, over your family, over your church family every single day as powerful, tremendous benefits for your life personally as well as as corporately. Now notice we'll talk about when he, God wrought this power. It says when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, in heavenly places. So we see two things. When God raised him from the dead, right? And we looked at that a few weeks ago. When Jesus raised from the dead, he walked out the tomb, and Mary was going to stop him, and Jesus says, nope, you can't hold on to me, you can't cling to me, because I haven't ascended to my Father. And we talked about that. What did he do? He ascended, and he put the blood on the mercy seat. Someone say, thank God for that. And then we know later that day, he begins appearing among his disciples. He's with them in and out, disappearing and reappearing for the next 40 days. And then he ascends into heaven. You see that in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and Luke 24. He ascends, and you see in Acts chapter 1 as well. And then what happens when he ascends? It says God seats him at his right hand, which is a position of power, of influence, of authority, of favor. It says he seated him elsewhere in the scriptures to his enemies are made his footstool. So where are the enemy supposed to be? Under his what? Now how many know your feet are on your shoulders? Where are your feet? Down here, right? It's not your question. I'm not tricking you. Where are your feet? Right? Let's keep going. Set him on his own right hand in the heavenly places far above. Say far above. All principality. So, well, what is principality? Principality, when this word is used in the New Testament, is usually referring to spiritual beings. Now, there were contexts when it's used outside of the Bible, which is talking about rulers in general. But in the New Testament, when this word is used, it's talking about spiritual beings that hold dominion in certain areas over a certain order of things. Spiritual beings that hold dominion in certain areas over a certain order of things or in a wider sense, rulers in general. So over all principality and power. That word power there is talking about the power of authority. So over every single authority. What is the next word? And might. This word might means miraculous force, abilities. It's also used to describe the might of armies. It's inherent power or the ability or power within anyone to do anything. And dominion. This word dominion means lordship. 
lordship, or one who possesses dominion. And every name that is named, and we sang about the name, but do you know what's so powerful about the name? When you use certain names, it comes with a certain authority. Come on, parents, you know, if you have an older child, you left the older child in charge, and they got some younger siblings who may not be as responsible as the older child. And I'm going to throw that jab out there because my brother's watching. Yeah, I'm jabbing at y'all. It's not the older sibling's job to come up with the authority to make things happen in the house. All they say is, mom said, dad said. With those names or titles comes a certain amount of authority. And so when it says every name that is named, it's not just talking about names, it's talking about authorities. Because there are principalities in the earth. There are mights in the earth. There are dominions and authorities in the earth. And there's a whole lot of names in the earth. There's a whole lot of authorities in the earth. We don't deny that they're there. There's a whole bunch of them. But he seated Jesus far above every principality, every power, every might, every dominion, and every name that is named. Notice what it says, in this world and that is to come. So anything you can imagine right now, and what's to come. And has put what? All under his feet. All what? Principality, power, might, dominion, every name and authority, right? Where is it? What does, what does it say here? It's not a trick question. What does it say? And then it says, and gave him, who? Jesus to be the head over all things to the what? Which is his body. Who is his body? The church. How many know your feet are part of your body? Right? Your feet aren't part of your head. You say, yeah, my foot is part of my nose. No, no. There's your head. Then there's your body. And your feet are part of the body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. So when God exalted Jesus at the right hand and set him at the right hand, he also set his body. And when he put all things under the feet of Jesus, he put all things under the feet of his body. If it's under Jesus, then it should be under his church. If it is under the feet of Jesus, then it should be under the feet of his church. Oh, pastor, that breaks all my religion. Good. Let's keep reading. Because Paul circles back to it. See chapter 2, verse 1. And said, you have he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked or lived according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power that were this authority of the air. That word means the atmospheric region. It's talking about where Satan has his dominion. There are spiritual beings. We talk about principalities. And where they operate are in the atmospheres above us. That's what it calls the prince and the power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, which means it shouldn't be working in you. Shouldn't be. Hallelujah. 
among whom also we have had our conversation or lifestyle in times past, and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, ooh, don't you love those words, but God, thank God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, not a little bit of love, his great love, wherewith he loved us. How did he show that great love and the abundance of mercy? That when we were dead in sins, he's quickened us and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved and has raised us up together. So when God raised Jesus, he raised you. That's one of the reasons when we do baptism, it's an outward change. Outward sign of an inward change. We're identifying with what God did. So when we go in the water, we're saying, yes, Jesus died, but God raised him from the dead. But when God raised Jesus, he raised me too. And Paul doesn't stop there. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If Jesus is seated, so were you. All those things we said that are under the feet of Jesus, they're under your feet as well. To argue otherwise is to argue against what's in the written. And if you want to argue against that, I have no other answer for you. But if you actually believe the Bible, then you need to believe that those things are under your feet too. If you're going to believe the book, some people just need to believe the Bible as much as they believe the newspaper. Or believe Facebook. It's a robot pointing stuff out on there with a bot created by another government, but you believe everything it says. Maybe we should take the faith we have in social media platforms and put it in the Bible and see what happens in our lives. See, all of these things are under the feet of the body. You have been granted an authority over all of these things because you are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is delegated authority. Say delegated authority. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Notice what it says here. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. Now, there's so many different things we see in 2 Corinthians 5. But for the sake of time, I want to just look at how we are called ambassadors. What is an ambassador? It is an accredited diplomat, the diplomatic official of the highest rank. Sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country an accredited diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. And Paul said, you are an ambassador. Well, what's my country? Heaven. And you've been sent by heaven as one of its highest officials. Why? Because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
which means you should get the results of the authority of Jesus just like it was Jesus using it. He did not give you a junior authority and a junior Holy Ghost. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all those who are oppressed of the devil, Acts 10, 38. He gave you the same Holy Ghost. He gave you the right to use his name. He gave you the right to use his authority. You are not those in Acts 19, those who didn't even believe in Jesus. You're not those who came and tried to conjure up some and use the name they had no right to use the name. You're not those people. You are the people who have the right to use that name and get the results that come with that name. So if we're going to talk about an ambassador, let's talk about where does an ambassador live? The embassy. The official office and residence of an ambassador is the embassy. The embassy itself belongs to the representative country. The host country where the embassy is placed cannot enter the embassy without permission of the one who owns the embassy. So although the embassy could be in another country, the country where the embassy is cannot enter the embassy unless they have permission from the ambassador. No matter where it is, whether it's in South America or Africa, Asia or Europe, wherever the embassy is, unless they have permission from that ambassador, they can't enter in and do nothing. You are an ambassador. And where you live, where your assignment is, where your calling is, where God has directed to go, you to go in your career is your embassy. So my question to you is, what have you allowed in that shouldn't be? If where you live in your life is an embassy, what have you let into your embassy? If you're an official of the highest rank, what low-ranking stuff have you let in your house? Ambassadors have delegated authority. They are given authority by the government that sent them. They are to use their authority to accomplish the mission for which they have been sent. They're authorized, they're commissioned, they have authority. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. They are to operate in that authority. They are to represent the government that sent them and accomplish the agenda of the government that sent them. They don't come up with their own agenda. They're here to enforce and to represent and speak on behalf of the government that sent them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry and sin not. So being angry is not a sin. But if you don't catch your anger, it'll lead you to sin. And if you stay in anger, you will sin. Because it says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That means you have less than 24 hours to be angry. 
for all those very analytical people. So, well, technically, if the sun's already down when I get mad, then no. That means you got less than 24 hours to deal with it. Because notice what it says next. Neither give place to the devil. Because if you stay in anger and you'll deal with it, you give him place. The word place means landmass, a spot. A friend of mine who's a Greek scholar said it's, it was a word used back then for the neighborhood. So if you stay in anger and don't deal with it, it's like you're walking up to the devil singing, won't you be my neighbor? And you wonder while things are going on in your life, in your house, will you let them move in? You're the one who gave him a roommate. You rented out the Airbnb space to him. You gave him permission. What have you allowed into your embassy? And you're seated with Christ. Go to James 3.16. Because it's going to be hard for you to use your authority on outside things if you haven't handled things inside. It's hard for you to use your authority on outside things if you don't use your thing, authority for things on the inside. Notice what it says in James 3.16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every, look at that, every evil work. So we see staying in anger, envy, and strife, we can say this way, are open doors to your embassy. Where low-ranking things can come in and mess up your life. See, some of you got so many doors open, Satan's clubbing. It's not every Friday night, it's every night. Just throwing a party in your house. Oh, how did he get in? You opened the door. It's like some of us take a personal offense if a fly ever comes in our house. Who left the door open? Who left the window open? This fly has disrespected me to that most. It came in my house. Where's my shoe? Where's my towel? It's going down. And you can chase flies all around the house, taking those bad boys down. But if you keep the window open, another one's coming in. You leave the door open like you live in a barn, another one's coming in. So you can chase flies down all the time. But if the door's open, it does you no good. You can evict demons all the time, but if the door's open, it does you no good. You're chasing demons like flies, and they shouldn't be in there in the first place. Close the door. So think of your life, your assignment, your job, your career, your house as an embassy. And the enemy will try to do things to get you to give up your seat of authority. But some of you just need to catch a Rosa Parks anointing. <laughs> Sit in your authority, and when the devil says, get up, you say no. You don't need a theological reason to say no. Or just use hers. I'm tired. No. Sometimes you just got to be tired enough of all the stuff that's going on that I'm not giving up my authority anymore. 
What has made you give up your authority in the past? What situation? What anger? What strife? What envy? What drama has made you lose or give up your seat of authority? And come down from where you're seated and give up the highest ranking position. So instead of dominating in life, you're being dominated. Because you gave up your seat. You gave up your authority. You opened doors. And because the challenges kept coming in, you stopped believing you have the authority Jesus gave you. See, some people have issues is because the first time they try to use their authority is when something big shows up. We have to become skilled at using our authority. And the only way you'll become skilled at using your authority is if you use it on a regular basis. You don't start using the authority over your body concerning sickness and disease when it's a bad, bad, bad diagnosis. You start with a headache. Oh, no, it's a headache. You like headaches? No. No, you can't stay here. No. No, I refuse. Come on, some of you are just so excited about pollen season. Nope, I'm not going to be able to breathe for three months. It's here. Look at that yellow cloud going through the air. Well, you can not breathe for three months or you can resist it. You can take your clearing and whatever. And say, Mm-mm, I ain't going through that again this year. I ain't going through that again this year. Now resist. It ain't happening. I remember I lived in Texas, and at that time, because of the weather, we had wildfires. And the wildfire was burning up. There was like a city that a good portion of it was burned up because of the wildfire. And it released certain stuff in the air that people who never had asthmatic type of challenges started having breathing issues. And so I run a lot. So I'm outside, and now I'm having issues breathing. And so I go to the doctor. I forgot what term they came up with to describe. Yeah, we're not sure what it is, but it's caused by the fires. So either I can say, well, I guess I have asthma the rest of my life. No. I didn't have it then. Why should I start now just because something's burning? So I resisted and kept resisting. And I remember I was at a meeting, and the man got led in a confession. And he stopped upon a confession. And he's like, let's talk about allergies. And he started listing all the different things that can cause allergies. He says, God, he created those things, so they're not meant to destroy my body. And I said, that's for me. And since then, I've been good resist it. Just because it shows up doesn't mean you have to take it inside your house. Just because Amazon drops off a package doesn't mean you have to take it inside. What if it's not for you? You don't know what people be ordering these days. What if it's not your name? Just leave it outside. It doesn't got to come in. Start accepting packages that don't belong to you. Sickness does not belong to you. So become skilled in your authority by frequent use. Stop letting the little things in. Because a lot of times it's small foxes that spoil the vine. And you have a hard time fighting big things because you haven't built your strength fighting the small things. David did not start with Goliath. He started with a lion and with a bear. You need to use your authority on a regular basis.
and grow in your authority and your dominion. You know, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, even he did that. It tells us in Luke 2, 42, how he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. But when you look at his miracles in order, think about different things he did. You think, well, he pretty much expressed his authority over nature when he turned water into wine. What was that? That was dominion over time. He said, well, I think he expressed more dominion when he told the wind to shh and told the sea, calm that down. And it listened. Well, I think he pretty much conquered it when he walked on it. Progression. Well, what about when he raised the dead? The first one was dead a few minutes. Jairus' daughter. Second one was de dead about a day, the son of Nan. Third one, Lazarus, four days. After Lazarus, well, I can get Lazarus up in four, I can get myself up in three. Progression. You need to grow in your authority if you want to become skilled in using it. You reject thoughts that don't line up with the word of God. You reject symptoms that don't line up with the word of God. You reject emotions that don't line up with the word of God. You reject situations and circumstances that don't line up with the word of God. You just refuse to take it. Too many people taking stuff that don't belong to them. Why are you taking stuff that belongs to sinners? Stuff that belongs to the world. It has nothing to do with you because you're not part of the world anymore. But it's like, well, because I'm human. After you're born again, one of the worst things you can do is consider yourself only human ever again. There's a book that I just finished writing that's going to come out next year called No Longer Mere Mortals. Once you're born again, you stop being a mere mortal. You're born again. You're the redeemed. You're an ambassador. You're washed in the blood. You've got the Holy Ghost. You're not what you used to be. You are not an old sinner saved by grace. That is an oxymoron. You've got to pick one. You're either an old sinner or you're saved by grace. Because if you keep thinking you're an old sinner, you won't be able to use your authority. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, we'll start with verse 6. You have authority. You must become skilled in using it. You become skilled by consistent use. But he gives more grace. Thank God. Talk more about that in a minute, but thank God. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So it'd probably be good that you don't be the proud. I don't want to be in a position where God's resisting me, and I have an enemy called the devil trying to take me out. That is not a position. I want help, not both fronts, bad. Says he gives grace unto the humble. What is it being humble? Does it mean having a bad view about yourself? No. Oh, I'm so unlearnly, oh, some lowly worm, I'm not worthy of anything. Well, that's a lie. You are worthy. Why? The blood made you worthy. You're not worthy about what you did on your own. No. You're worthy because the blood has been applied. 
So to call yourself unworthy is a slap in the face of the blood of Jesus. To call yourself some lowly worm is a slap in the face of the authority God gave you. Being humble is having an accurate view about yourself. So that means you have to view yourself according to the Word of God and view your current circumstance situation accurately. If you ain't living where you're supposed to be, view it accurately. Yep, I need to change that. Don't just say, well, that's my problem. You know, God understands. And you say that, you never change. Making up things, making up doctrines to excuse what you know God told you to change. Doing things because you think you know better than God. Hot's 2021, it's almost 2022. You know, the world has changed, but the word did not. Also, as it tells us elsewhere in scripture, don't think about yourself more highly than you ought. Well, what's more highly than it ought? So let you know you should think highly of yourself. Why? Jesus did. He thought highly enough for you to come, die, get back up again, and send the Holy Ghost. He thinks very highly of you. But what's more highly than you ought? When you're looking down on others. The only time you are to look down on someone else is to help them up. So you can be proud and have a religious view of yourself as being some horrible, worthless person and still be the proud. It has nothing to do with that. It's having an accurate view of yourself and yielding to what God says. So if God said this is wrong, I agree. If God said this is right, I agree. If God says I need to do this, I agree. I need to figure out how to do it. I need a lot of help and grace and mercy and anointing and strength and intercession to do it. But if he said to do it, I agree. I'm yielding to his opinion. I'm yielding to his way. I choose to believe what the scripture says. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. So I'm not going to act like I know better than him. I may need some help and some time to get it right, but he's still right. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you're resisting the devil over a period of time and he hasn't run, I'm not calling to question your resistance. I'm calling to question your submission. Because it says submit, then resist. Some of y'all resisting with no submission. And the authority you have is delegated authority. But if you're going to act a hot mess and not live according to what God said, your authority won't work. Because it flows in accordance to your submission. So oh, there's so many things to submit to in the Word of God. I'm not telling you go through the whole Bible and go, oh, submit to this. I'm not telling you that. What has God been dealing with your heart lately? What has he been telling you to do recently? Last few months, this year. The stuff that you haven't been quick to obey on. Not saying it's trying to or taking steps toward that direction. I'm talking about you just outright, well. Because if you're staying in that position, your resistance won't be effective. If you want your resistance to be effective, you have to submit.
submit to God's word, submit to God's way, yield to his plan. It's like, well, I don't want to go over there, God. That's not what I want to do in my life. Well, you can stay where you are and have less authority, less effectiveness. But when you move and follow his plan and his purposes, you'll see your dominion work the way it was intended to. So we don't just move because, oh, I can move. Well, did you talk to Jesus about that move yet? Come on, you should hire an inspector when you buy the house. You should also talk to Jesus. Jesus knows something the inspector can't find. Well, I'm going to take this job because it's more money. Well, that's great, but did Jesus tell you that it was okay for you to take that job? Because just because it's more money doesn't mean it's more peace. And what's worse, you can leave a position that is your assignment where you're supposed to operate in authority and dominion and manifest heaven and go to other places just because the dollar was better. And end up in that position, lose peace, lose your sanity, and lose money as well even though you're getting paid more. You need to make sure you're where God wants you to be. You submit it to his plan, to his purpose. That's where your authority will work the highest way. When you're raising kids and they're going to college, you don't say, well, I want to go to that college because it makes me feel better about myself. My kid goes to this school. You see my bumper sticker? Well, that's great if that's where the Holy Ghost wants them to go. But if that's not where the Holy Ghost wants them to go, you're just going to be proud of your heathen. I don't know why they turned out that way. You encouraged them to go to a place where the Holy Ghost said no. It's about the plan. Say, it's about the plan. So you want to encourage them to follow the plan. Because when you're in the center of God's will for your life, it is the safest place to be. No matter what's going on around you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Flee means to run and start terror or try to escape you. You're supposed to resist. You don't just let stuff happen because, well, this is what happens in the world. Resist. Well, pastor, what happens if? What happens if I test positive for COVID? Go home. Shelter in place. You need to? Go to the doctor, go to the hospital, do that. It's not that deep. Go do that. And while you're doing that, resist. Whatever symptom, I resist this. No, well, the whole world says you're not gonna be able to taste and smell. That sounds like the curse. How many of you like eating? You know you like eating? Go ahead and raise both hands. You know you like that. Why would you put up with not being able to taste stuff? It'd be one thing if you say, oh, you know, this is my diet plan. I need to eat this stuff. I know I don't want to eat. That's one thing. But if there's some good food you want, I'd like to be able to taste my food. See, I anoint my food with a lot of hot sauce. 
It's the anointing oil just flows down. Like, I like my food so spicy that, you know, my wife and many others think there has to be something wrong with me. I remember one time we were having a meeting after church. I forgot what we were meeting about, but there was a couple in our church. They made some food and had some African hot sauces and spices, and it was great. And so they gave me, like, this little small cup of it. And so, you know, I'm talking. I just dump the whole thing in and mix it into the rice, and I'm eating it, and people are staring at me. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? They said, you're supposed to put a little bit on top. I said, what? But it tastes great. Like, what is wrong with you? I like to be able to taste my food. I like the spices. I like the seasoning. So why take something that's going to rob you of something you like? Just because you test positive for the disease doesn't mean the disease has to do to you everything it did to everyone else. You resist. It's like, no, I am going to breathe correctly. No, I will be able to taste my food. No, I will be able to use my lungs. No, this is not going to take me down. No, this will not have any long-term effects. I said, no, I'm resisting. I'm not just going to take, I resist. I said, no. And in the meantime, eat healthy. Don't eat a bunch of white sugar. Like, I'm resisting. Put that down. Eat healthy. Do the natural and the spiritual. Come on, some of you parents understand this philosophy really well because, you know, the Bible says, well, children will be disobedient in the last days. Not in my house. Your house? Y'all put up with that? No. You expect them to behave a certain way because they're yours. In your house. They can act crazy down the street, but not up in here. So you're willing to use your authority in that limited context to raise children that are a blessing to society. If you can use it in one area, you can use it in every area. You have to resist, even in the small things, because the more you resist in the small things, the more skilled you become with using your authority. And you'll get to a place where certain things can't even exist in your presence. Now, people come into your presence dealing with that, but as long as they're close to you, it can't bother them because you become skilled with the authority, and now you're at a higher level in exercising it. You don't just permit terror in your house. You know, you have little kids. Sometimes they have nightmares. You don't say, oh, it's okay. It's just a nightmare. No, resist it. And so I was all this when I was a kid. No, we resist it. Here's what we do. We talk about the blood. We're going to sing a praise song. We're not going to let the enemy terrorize us at night. So I became skilled at doing that. So I'm in college. My uh, middle brother and I, we went to the same college. I lived on the 11th floor. He was on the 7th floor. So anytime someone on his floor had sleeping issues, he said, just go upstairs and talk to Gary. Just go, just go upstairs and talk to him. And there comes my room, knock on the door. He said, your brother said to come talk to you. I said, what's going on? I can't sleep. All right, here's two scriptures. See what this says? Here's what I want you to say every night. They go to sleep, they call it to my brother, and they say, I slept like a baby. It was the best sleep I had in years. What happened? I became skilled in using my authority in that area. So now I have kids. So I remember recently, sometime this year, one of my kids came to me. He's like, you know, Daddy had this bad dream. I said, go ahead, lay down right next to me. And I put my hand on her head. I plead the blood of Jesus over your dreams. And she said, well, does that work? I said, Yes. She's at the age where she got a lot of questions. I got to answer them. Now watch what happened next. She's fading off to sleep, 
And he says, Daddy, there's a blood wall between me and my dreams. She saw it as she fell asleep. And I said, just look at Jesus, how kind he is. That he showed it to a little one. What is that? Becoming skilled in using your authority. You need to become skilled at using it. Go to Romans 5.17. You become skilled by consistent, frequent use. You have to understand, Satan doesn't play fair. He always tries to invade. When he does, you talk back. You know, anytime I travel, I don't remember when I started doing this. I've been doing this for years. I do it so frequently that my family expects me to do it. So when we go to places and we stay in a hotel or any rental property, one of the first things I do when I open the door is I plead the blood of Jesus around this place. Anything that was of hell or of curse or of darkness that was here before I got here cannot stay while I'm here. You are expelled. I release the light of God in this place, the joy of God in this place, and the angels of God. And this place will be a blessing to me and my family will minister to us as long as we're here. Well, I don't know what crazy stuff someone did before I got there. But while I'm there, it can't be there. What I'm exercising my authority. Come on, we live in a day we should wipe a lot of stuff down. I'm wiping stuff down and using my authority. Wipe this down. What's that? Lysol wipe. In the name. I remember one time I was in college and there was someone, you know, your authority is delegated and it's limited. You can't drive stuff off of people if they don't want to drive. And so I was living in a place close to someone who, you know, we thought they were dealing with certain things and sometimes it was very evident. And so one day I'm just in my room, just chilling, and I could sense something coming through the wall. And I said, no, you don't. You better get back in there. And it left my room. Now, apparently, it kept going and went to the room, not next door, but the door afterwards. Because a friend told me later, he says, I felt it come in the room, and I ran out my room so fast. <laughs> he didn't go back in his room for a long time. I was like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. I just told him it couldn't come into mine. I didn't know it was going to be like volleyball. I said, you could have told it to get out. You have authority. You have dominion. Just because a demon of a long rank tries to come into your room, Say no. Sometimes I'll try to talk to you. I remember my brother told me a story that one time he was asleep and he woke up and he saw a demon spirit standing there. And he said, you know, I could kill you if I wanted to. And he says, well, if you could, you'd done it already. And he went back to sleep. <laughs> and the demon left. Skilled in the use of authority. So when something shows up, you don't panic. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, you know, a great man of God used mighty things about 100 years ago. You know, one time, he said he woke up because his bed moved across the floor. The windows rattled and a smell into the room. And standing at his foot of his bed was Satan. He looked at him and said, oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. And Satan left. And then he woke up and said, wait a minute. My bed was across the room before you got here. Get back and move it. The windows rattled. The smell came back. The bed moved. And the enemy was gone. Skilled in the use of authority. Some of you guys settle for victories but don't get restoration. You settled for a victory but you haven't gotten your life back to before the attack came. 
Don't just settle for victory. Get victory, restoration, and recompense. So your life looks better than when the enemy attacked in the first place. But they only get that if you become skilled in your use of authority by frequent use. Romans 5, 17. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. When you are born again, you receive the gift of righteousness. You are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You receive that gift as soon as you're born again. But it says an abundance of grace, meaning there are levels to the grace that you receive. Remember, we looked at James 4, 6, but God gives more grace. So if you position yourself in a position to receive more grace and do the things necessary to be in a position where you continually have a consistent flow of grace, you're operating in a higher level of authority. Because you know there's more graces and more types of graces, because even definition alone, there's 21 different definitions and translations for grace in the New Testament alone. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have in all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. So if I want my authority to operate at a high level, I need to make sure I'm consistently positioning myself to receive more grace. Not be in a position where there's no flow of grace or where there's a little. If I want my authority to operate at its highest intended extent, I have to keep myself in a position where I can receive more grace. You have delegated authority over your own life. If it's in your life, you got the authority over it. If it's in your house, you got the authority over it. Now, parents, you train your kids to use their authority, but until they understand it, you use the authority for them. And even when they're grown, you still have some type of authority concerning prayer for them because they're still your child. You say, oh, they're 50, but you still got some authority in prayer if you use it. If it concerns your assignment, you have authority there. You may not have authority over the whole company or the whole floor where you work, but that area where you're assigned, can't happen. Why? You're the ambassador. You have the highest rank. Don't let stuff just happen because, oh, well, you know, I don't work for a church. And? Well, I work for this company. And? Are you there? Then use your authority. Maybe you were put there just so that stuff wouldn't happen. That just because it moved in, he said, nope, get out. They have no, no idea that is you the one keeping stuff from happening. But you're positioned there for a reason. It's an assignment. And you stay there as long as you are assigned. There's a difference from an assignment and a calling. A calling has more of a lifetime application. Sometimes assignments are temporary, and assignments can change. So you stay there as long as the assignment is there, but when the assignment changes, you follow the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of grace, to where he's assigned you so you can keep operating in your authority. Your authority, when it concerns others, is limited based on what they allow. Now, you have authority 
over the demonic realm in your life. But notice, it never says you got authority over people. You aren't called to dominate people. You do not have dominion over people's wills. You don't. Now, if they allow you, you can take authority over spirits that are messing with them, if they allow you. But it comes a point where they have to learn to use their own authority. And when it comes to dealing with situations that are outside your realm of authority, what is presented in front of you, you have to seek the wisdom of the Holy Ghost on how to deal with it. Now, when it's something right up in your face and it concerns you, you can deal with it because you got the authority. When it concerns others, you need to get the wisdom of God on how to apply your authority to assist them, to help them out of this situation, so they learn how to use their authority for themselves. There's delegated authority concerning certain offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Not just general authority in the whole earth, but authority where they are assigned. There are certain things I can handle in prayer concerning those who are part of this church. Why? I've been delegated authority where that is concerned. And there are things that have to listen to me when I'm praying about you because of the position that I'm in. The authority that was delegated to me. There are things in your community that have to listen to you just because you live there. Why? You live there. So do you really want that popping up in the neighborhood? It's your authority. Use it. There's greater authority when we come together and we pray about things together. There are things we prayed about together. There's sometimes information I knew by the Spirit or by natural things, because some of the other things I do, that I know this operation is about to go down. We can't tell where, but I can tell the church, you know what, let's pray for about these things in general. And then I see the reports later. They got this one and this one and this one. They recovered this and this and this and this. They rescued this person and this person and this person. Now, they did the natural, but we went ahead of them in the spirit and knocked some stuff down. Well, that came as we came together. And we use our delegated authorities together and address things concerning our community together. Because you can have the best policies the best elected officials, the best education. But if someone doesn't deal with the powers of the air, all of that goes down. There's also other delegated authority that can be granted in prayer. That if you're a person of prayer, not saying you wake up more, God bless everybody and that's it, no. A person of prayer that you continually give yourself to prayer, continually give yourself time to get over in the spirit and pray about things. Now you're not just praying about your natural list of things which you should pray for, but you're actually over in the Spirit. You do that consistently enough, he'll give you prayer projects, prayer assignments. And where that thing is concerned, you have authority. Now that doesn't mean you go walk around, guess what, I got authority in this area. You know, all the people who walk around say, I got this power, I got this authority, they got to say a lot, they usually don't got that power. They don't got authority. You got to talk about it a lot, you, you may not got it. The proof is in the pudding, not just what you say. We want some evidence. But if you're consistent like that, there are things, whether it's in this community, in this area, or other parts of the world, that will listen to you when you open your mouth and say something because you've been delegated authority in that arena, in that area. 
There are people who grow in these things, that there are certain things that cannot show up in their area, their community, their city, because they live there. But if they transition and go on, there's no authority stopping them unless someone picks up that assignment. How many things have invaded communities because there's been a prayerless church that wouldn't pick up an assignment? Or a prayerless family that wouldn't pick up an assignment? Oh, there goes the neighborhood. Well, whose fault is that? Because we like to say, well, God is in control. The Bible doesn't say that. It says the heavens, Psalms 115, the heavens, the heavens, even they belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to the children of men. And men, because of Adam's sin, have turned over a lot of authority to Satan. But Jesus came and got our authority back. And so if you don't like what's happening in your neighborhood, you need to go to prayer about it. Because there's some things you have to address in the spirit. You have to deal with it. Because if you don't, it just keeps spreading. And it's great your house is safe, but what about the next house? And you see, when you actually talk to your neighbors, you know, you don't have to be up in their face. I get it. You want some social distance? You can talk at a distance. Hey, how you doing? You still want to cover, you know, you'd be like Wilson from Home Improvement, you know, high behind the fence. There could be some things going on in their life, and they don't know how to use their authority. But we say, hey, can you pray for me? I can deal with it now. You gave me the right to deal with it. You gave me access to drive things out. I remember we've received requests over the last few years where, you know, there's certain things happen in certain schools. He's like, look, somebody come and pray. Do y'all you, do you believe in casting out stuff? Well, yeah. Here's the hallway. Go. Walk through the halls. Pray over these schools. I remember one place God didn't tell us to live there, so we didn't take it. But we were looking for an apartment of where to live. And they said, you know, they showed me the apartment. And this person's not even a believer. They said, well, you're a man of the word. You can drive out spirits. Excuse me? That's not usually part of the, hey, this is such a beautiful apartment tour. And they say, well, just know that you may see your apartment on TV. What to say that? I like trying to put connections together. And I'm like, but I'm just so glad they understood authority that sometimes believers don't understand. They're like, you can drive it out. They didn't say they could. They say, you can do it. You can drive things out. Don't just have extra demonic roommates. Yeah, well, that just happens every year or happens this time of year. Drive things out. Use your dominion. Become skilled at using it. Don't let things just happen. Stop them. Let's go to Ephesians. It's close here. Chapter 5, verse 16. And then also, Sister Billy ministered on these topics earlier this year to us during midweek, and she sent me a whole bunch of extra books to give you. So if you didn't get yours, we have an extra one out there that you can take. She just wanted to be a blessing to the faith family. It's called The Authority of the Believer and How to Use It. So it covers some things that even cover in this message. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. 
says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This phrase, redeeming the time, is, can also be translated, buying up every single opportunity as if you're looking for a sale in the marketplace. How many of you love a good sale? Some of you don't even go shopping anymore, so I just wait for Amazon, those right days to come around. You like buying up the deals. Paul says, view opportunities that way. And a lot of times, Paul uses the language in his letters or in his epistles, doors or open doors. Those are opportunities. And as I was driving yesterday, going over this message in my heart, it's like there are a lot of people, it's like the same opportunity, not a different one. The same opportunity keeps coming around seasonally. It just keeps happening. You've been believing for this opportunity. But let's say that door is that opportunity. And that door opens. And he's like, hey, it's finally here. And every time you try to go through the door, you hit something and you bounce back. It's, the reason it can be different every time, but it's the same opportunity. The same thing you're been believing for, but every time you try to cross it, you bounce back. And it frustrates you because you know the door is open. It frustrates you because you know God opened the door. But I want to let you know there are sometimes beings that sit in front of doors and sit over doors. And unless you use your authority, you'll keep bouncing back even though that opportunity is yours. There are opportunities and open doors coming around again for so many of you. It's another incoming of opportunities and open doors. But you need to become skilled in using your authority on a regular basis so when you approach it, you can tell that thing, get out the way. So you can walk into what God has for you. Too many of you have been bouncing back. You keep trying and trying again, and I applaud your persistence. But the reason why you keep getting thrown backwards is because of a principality that's been blocking it. And Paul even said, it's a great open door, but there are many adversaries. So the door is open, but there's a lot of resistance. And if there's resistance, you must resist until it flees. You submit yourself to what God is telling you, and you become skilled at using your authority. It says, whatever is blocking my way, you have to get out my way. And then he walked through your door. Don't switch to, it's like, oh, I guess it's not for me. And you know it's for you. On the inside of your being, it's like, I know that's mine. I know that's for me. I know that's what God's called me to do. But every time I take a step forward in that direction, I get bounced back. And the door keeps opening. It's like two steps forward, 30 steps back. I keep bouncing back. There's a demonic entity blocking it. And you need to remove it. I haven't been sent to remove it for you. I've been, telling, I've been sent to tell you, you need to remove it. That over the next week or so, you need to become so skilled at using your authority that you resist everything that doesn't line up. Because whatever you don't resist, you grant permission to stay. Whatever you don't resist, you grant permission to stay. And so everything that shows up that you don't like, you need to resist. So when that door comes again, you speak to what's blocking it, and it opens up for you. You need to use your authority. You need to use it frequently so you become skilled in its use. Because once you become skilled in its use for you, you'll learn greater how to use it on behalf of others. You'll learn how to use it on behalf of your community. 
and you interrupt and interfere with the plans of the enemy. Because there's some authority you have in your community because you live there because you're salt. You're light. Salt, it preserves. Your community is not supposed to be destroyed because you're there. You've been granted that authority. But when you use your authority on a regular basis, you begin to understand how to use it in your community. Stand to your feet. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you, first of all, for giving us this authority, for delegating it to us. Thank you for opening our eyes and showing us things, for reminding us about things and showing us what's been blocking some of these open doors and opportunities that we've been seeking to walk through, opportunities and doors that you've granted unto us. Father, help us to be consistent and frequent in our use of authority so we become skilled with it. Help us stay in a position where we continually and consistently receive more grace. Help us to be aware of doors to the enemy we have opened so we can shut them. Help us so we can manifest heaven on earth. See, about that, when you walk into an embassy, that building belongs to the country who it represents. So if I go to a European country, an African country, South American country, an Asian country, whichever one, and I walk into the U.S. Embassy, it belongs to the United States. And things in that building resemble the United States. When people walk into your home, when they walk into your realm of authority and dominion, it should resemble heaven. Where it's like a outpost of heaven because you become so skilled at using your authority. And you've learned how to live under an open heaven. So Father, we thank you. 